I am just totally obsessed with being excellent and being as good as I possibly can be. And I, I just love pushing myself in that way. And I love the feeling of, you know, laying my head on the pillow and feeling like I'm so tired, but I gave everything. Hey, welcome everyone. This is, of course, the Pandola Project podcast, and I have today Chelsea Sidaro. So excited to have you today in the studio. This is my studio with your signature in the back, which I absolutely love. You know that's there. Yeah, thanks you signed for having it. me. Yes, thanks for being here. We've been uh, working together now for the last uh, about five months to six months right in there. And I think it's about time we talk about what we've been doing together. So, Chelsea, I know that people know your story pretty well. That's why they're listening to this podcast in the first place. But I wanted to at least have a little bit of a talk about just what is your story? How did you get here today? Why do people know you? Why are they listening to us? I feel like my career has had nine lives at this point. You know, I started out as well as a child. I played all sorts of different sports. Um, I played soccer, I swam, I danced, and I really fell in love with running in high school when I joined the cross-country team. And I think what I loved most about it initially was that I suddenly had friends who were juniors and seniors in high school, and that was very cool as an awkward, dorky freshman. (laughs) But I quickly started to have some success and realized I was pretty fast and and that evolved into, you know, this recruiting process and having the opportunity to run at a number of high-level Division One schools. I ultimately went to Berkeley and was injured for about four years until finally getting uh, my health together and had this breakthrough fifth season where I was an All-American and ran some fast times and decided to keep on pursuing running post-collegiately. And I won a couple of national titles there, but then the injury the injuries crept up on me again. So I had a really bad day on the most important day at the 2016 Olympic trials uh, in the 10K and was banged up trying to figure out what to do with my life and decided to give triathlon a go. So I did the, you know, Olympic sort of circuit for a couple of years and didn't love it. And then tried my hand at long distance non-drafting triathlon and found my groove pretty quickly. Yeah, you did. Of course, we are talking to the world champion and you, I don't want to rehash things that people already know too much, but it is to me just astounding that you were able as a rookie to just go to the world championships, second Ironman that you ever did, right? And I mean, you you won in style too. <laughs> and I, I, was, I didn't know you at the time, but I remember watching you, of course, and I remember thinking, my gosh, I mean, I can't believe that this person lives in Reno. I would so want to know her and know what makes her tick and where does that drive come from? And little I know that I was going to be able to really get to know you um, not too long afterwards, but we'll get to that later, right? But I just want to just let let people know that when it comes to a world championship victory like that. And I know that you're going to talk a lot about what you wish you had known or what you would tell the younger Chelsea mm-hmm. self, right? But I want to lo- let people know that what really drew myself in, but more importantly to me, one of the people that matters most to me in the world is somebody you've been so kind to, another Ironman triathlete that um, was at those world championships and competing herself and doing her very best. And she had been on such a long journey just to be able to uh, finish the thing. And her name is Pam. And Pam was just so excited about what you did that day. Not, Not about the win, but about being a mother and accomplishing the things that people kind of, I think, discount. And they don't really necessarily always consider what goes into all of the the buildup and all of the struggle and all of giving yourself permission to be a mother and to be accomplished like this. And I, I know that those are the kind of things that you've been advocating for so much now that you have a stage, now that you are a world champion and you can talk about these things. And I know that's why Pam is so inspired by you and so 
you know, beautifully um, transitioned even with your help with that example, right? So that's why it meant so much to me at the time. If I'm being honest, it wasn't because it was Chelsea Sodaro from Reno, but it, because it was the story that helped an athlete like Pam be a better version of herself, being a mother going through all of these things and knowing that it is possible. So would you speak on that a little bit, Chelsea? Sure. I, th- I'm very flattered. I think one of the most magical parts of that day for me was the last 10K of the run. It, first of all, it was the first, you know, women's day at the Ironman World Championships. And as I was finishing the last 10K, many of the age group women were running out in the opposite direction, kind of just early on in the marathon. And I cannot tell you how many of the ladies like stopped to cheer for me while they were competing and told me to do it for Sky and do it for the moms. And I think ultimately my job as a professional athlete, of course, is to perform, but I believe that there are you know, other, we have other purposes and the ultimate privilege is to be able to inspire other women to chase after their dreams outside of family and work and to feel, um, to feel like they have this sort of permission to carve out time for themselves and the thing that make, the things that make them feel like alive and fulfilled because ultimately they're going to be better workers and better parents and better spouses if they're able to like do the things that fill our cup. So I I really relate to so many of the amateur women racing. I think that they actually have a lot more on their plates than I do and that they have high level jobs oftentimes outside of their house and they're raising kids and they're trying to pursue triathlon. And in some ways I have it easy in that I have my family and I have, you know, a lot of time in my day to train every single day but i feel i feel a huge sense of privilege and joy and being part of that community i love it yeah that quote that you always talk about that your dad has on the wall mm-hmm. and it's uh we make a living by what we get and then we get uh we we make a life by what we give And so that's the quote that I think really sums up what we just talked about, where you're now giving that, I think, that permission to other uh, mothers out there. And I will even say other dads, too. Right. Um, And I I know that your story is so profound and you've talked a lot about the even the guilt as a mother, being a mother for Sky and really dedicating yourself to sky and also still not giving up on your own goals and still going all in on those things because it is really important that you are showing sky too what can be done if you don't give up on yourself and what i also like is that you say that really uh, i believe you don't really believe in a in balance right yeah i was just i was just thinking as we were chatting here i have done a really good job i believe in surrounding myself with people who allow me to be my full self and who think it's really freaking cool to go all in on a big goal. And so when you have those sort of people hyping you up and like pushing with you to achieve those dreams, it makes it feel a lot more sustainable and like valid that I have these kind of crazy dreams while also, you know, choosing family. Yeah, now it's beautifully said. I think when it comes to getting to know you a little bit more like to have and how you have created this team around you, I'd like to talk a little bit about probably uh, the most important factor, which is, you know, obviously Steve Sodaro, your husband, he is, first of all, uh, he's a man's man. I gotta say, uh, I have I have my own little personal crush on Steve because I look at this guy like you could do anything with this. Like he's he is yeah. one of those guys that can build anything. He can do anything. He he ran a sub four minute mile. I have no excuses, right? And I also look at him like he's just a brick wall, and he's so strong, and I wouldn't want to mess with him. And I but I think okay, Chelsea knows how to pick him for sure. Uh, But, you know, talking about how you started building that team and even with Steve all the way back in college is when you guys met, right? 
We did. And what is so wild is that when we first started dating, he was kind of the superstar in the relationship. He had this really successful collegiate running career, All-American, um, in the steeplechase of four minute miler, kind of like vying for like a national title. And I was injured and not making the big meets. And so despite being like the more successful partner, he really was a huge champion of my career. And when I graduated from college, he actually said, I think you should just chase after running for this year and see what happens. And I don't really know what I want to do with my life yet, but I'm going to work these three jobs so that we can afford to do this. And I think having it, this kind of is a reoccurring theme for me is having these people come into my life that have so much belief in me at the right times has made all of the difference. Well, then I think that's a good way to bring Dan in now. Right? <laughs> and uh, I, I love, again, that Dan's been such a strong influence. I do believe that he's got always the best intentions for you. And it's been a pleasure getting to know Dan and understanding how I can be a part of the team by simply serving you more effectively, more efficiently off of Dan's lead even, right? Because Dan kind of does set that precedence. He has the blueprint for you. He's got all these things organized. And I think to myself, man, he's showing each and every day that he really wants this for you. And he's willing to make adjustments. He's willing to plan and pencil and make changes as you go. So they talking a little bit about how Dan's been, well, really how you selected Dan and how he's been an influence for you. Yeah, Dan and I started working together at a very interesting time in my life. It was the summer of 2020, so like thick, early on to the pandemic, I guess. And I was six weeks pregnant. And, you know, he is very much a high performance coach. And so, I, you know, I wasn't sure what he would think of helping me navigate through pregnancy, but he was incredibly empathetic and excited for me. And, really went on this journey of with me there's there's not a whole lot of science or information about how to train a professional athlete through pregnancy in the postpartum period so we were really learning together and I had to be very vulnerable with him about some of the things that I was experiencing and you know same for him like I wouldn't have shared a lot of the things that I did with him that early on in our relationship if it hadn't been for my my condition at the time but he really took it in stride. And I think that created this immediate trust and bond. And, you know, we're very much a team. He is a brilliant exercise physiologist and has had huge results in triathlon and his own triathlon career, but also has coached athletes from a variety of other sports. So I think he has this amazing sort of holistic understanding of the body and how, um, you know, you respond or an athlete will respond to different stimulus based on their own unique physiology. So my training is super scientific. It's very individualized. And I have so much trust in him at this point that I don't really need to get into all of the nitty gritty specifics about why I'm doing what I'm doing all of the time. Like there are times when I want to know why are we doing this workout? How does this fit into the you know greater scheme of the season or this block? But for the most part, I really trust how he programs and plans for me, which allows me to like free up my headspace for executing the workouts and then moving on to the rest of my day and the other parts of my life that are important to me. Yeah, I love that. And I that's the impression I got when I first talked to Dan. First time I had seen a blueprint like that for the entire year, he had that laid out and lined out but at the same time was talking about now that I was going to be involved, how and what needed to change or what needed to maybe mold a little bit differently. And that was fantastic to see that a coach was thinking that way. But also, like, I'll finish with ultimately, I think somebody like yourself, you do need to have that constant support, knowing that people are thinking for you. So you said headspace. I think that's a great way to put it because. Uh, how many athletes are worried about, am I getting in enough of my stimulus for my VO2 work? Am I getting in, I need to now read this other study. Well, no, I have an expert in physiology who, by the way, is also an age group world record holder 
<laughs> and I thought it was interesting listening to the Rich Roll podcast, which, by the way, anybody who wants to really get a lot of background on what you've done and what you uh, are doing, that's a fantastic podcast. And it's a couple hours, but well worth listening through it. And I'm trying not to really rehash that. But I would look at uh, with somebody like Dan, giving you that headspace, giving you that ability to really focus on what's important to you as a mom and giving you that extra time as an athlete. And so I think that's part of what I would feel like is a system that works for you. So finishing out with like how you pick your team, is there anything in particular that you really think separates your team or gives you that advantage as a professional? Yeah, I do think there there are a couple of things that make my team quite unique. And the most important of those is that they all are all in on my goals. And my goals are not, those goals are not my goals. They're our goals. And I think that when I have success or I win big races, they feel like they have won too. And I think that having that buy-in and investment from all parties makes it super fun and super fulfilling and gives us all kind of the extra bit of push and motivation. And I know that I sometimes when things are getting hard and training or racing for me, I think about the people on my team and all of the work that they're putting in to me and to building me up. And I have an extra gear because I'm not just doing it for myself. So I think that when you, when you are working towards something greater than yourself, it, it's really powerful. Um, and then also I just work with freaking rockstar smart smart people that's awesome yeah so i would love to get to the strength training a little bit yeah let's do it that's you know of course my role with you is as a strength coach i also do some table work with you as an lmt but really when i first started to really get to know about you and your story and sure i wanted to work with chelsea sodaro there's no question right but i also thought to myself at the time, well, she's a world champion. She happens to live in Reno. I unfortunately have not worked with her, but really I didn't want to interfere. And I had a coach that knows you and said, well, Jim Vance, I mean, you know, of course, uh, with Ben Knute. And so he, he said, hey, do you want me to make an introduction? She lives right down the street. And at the time I said, well, no. And you did ask me just a couple weeks ago if I was nervous about meeting you. And you're such a transparent person. And I realized I wasn't completely transparent with you because I was quite nervous. And I did initially just maybe give myself even the excuse, but certainly Jim at the time of saying, well, I don't want to mess with success. Everything's working with her. So um, yeah, I mean, thanks, but no thanks, at least not uh, in the current situation. And then uh, you reached the point where you felt like you did want to reach out. But I um, would like to at least talk about that initial meeting and why we started working together and, and what you thought about it. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I was looking for a new strength situation and I, you know, I, I told you this. I initially took the meeting with you kind of as a professional courtesy because Jim and Ben had referred you to me and you're in Reno. And I thought like, it's the right thing to do. It's a very small world and community. And so you came over to my house and you're very impressive. You had, you know, this kind of like uh, very well thought out pitch. And when you left, Steve and I looked at each other and we we're like, if this guy's good. Um, so initially like really impressed and then you send me I think an email with like your proposed roadmap for the next several months and at this point I was I was really not in a great place with my health I um I had had some little niggles I had gotten E. coli so I I think I had lost some weight and muscle mass because of that situation so we had a lot of work to do I think you probably remember uh you know, you came to my house every single day for six weeks and we really had to rebuild my body. And uh, we were seeing big results very quickly. So the buy-in was not a challenge. That's nice to hear. And of course, I always talk about how important it is to start with a good protocol. And mm -hmm. of course, we have free protocol on our website for people to access. And those are 
obviously the fundamentals, I do believe that getting that mobility, getting that motor control is paramount. And then you can start to look at how you're loading, right? But that initial phase, what I was personally really impressed with and excited about is that you weren't too good to start with the basics. And in fact, really the first 10 days, all we really worked on was mobility and motor control. And you didn't miss a a beat. You did your protocol every single, well, you had a few different times of the day to do it because there was a lot to do and it is the job, but not everybody does that in, in even counting professionals. And you know, without throwing names out there, I've worked with several professionals that that have not committed to the process the way you did. And I just like to ask and maybe to inspire some people to really think about this, but why did you commit to your protocol when clearly you're an elite athlete and maybe you should be doing what you imagine as elite training? Yeah, I think that one of my gifts as you know, an athlete is that I really have this beginner mindset and I am 34 now, but I found triathlon in my late twenties. And so I haven't been doing it all that long. And even though I've had some success, I still feel like I'm figuring the sport out and still exploring what's possible and still have a lot of room to improve across all three disciplines. And, you know, the weight room for me, the strength is such a huge component. I have so much belief that that is an essential component into, you know, staying healthy and then also getting the most out of a swim, bike, run. So it wasn't really that challenging for me to commit to the process. And I'm a little weird, but I enjoy the small nuances of a lot of the aspects of my training. So I actually enjoy the protocol and getting things right and trying to be perfect. And I like how I feel after I do it. So I think after only a couple of days of the protocol, I was already moving a little bit better and I could see how that was feeling. Actually in the swim, I think before anything else, I could feel like my stroke was a little bit longer and I had mobility through my shoulders. And so when you're getting that immediate feedback in your sports, it's not a hard sell. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And I really am very passionate about people understanding the value of this. And yet I still feel like the majority of the time that's kind of tertiary to people and they just kind of want to get after the hard work because triathletes are hard workers. And sometimes I like to flip the script a little bit and say, you know, really industriousness and enthusiasm are about doing the things every day that you really not necessarily are fired up to do, but you need to do. And so that's, again, a testament to, I think, the type of uh, champion that you are. But moving into the strength now, I'll say, even in that short period of time, and we were just talking and we just finished a workout of yours. We were just talking about how actually we were only started together with your protocol just over three months before Ironman. And then we were able to start loading and we were able to start seeing a lot of good force production coming through. And uh, we saw some definite increases in your overall strength. And I remember some of the tests and retests that we did before you went to Asia, we were very confident because we saw the changes and we saw the the reset, but we also saw the numbers that was there for sure, right? Yeah. And um, anything that sticks out in your mind about what worked in the strength portion once we got there, what was working for you that maybe in comparison to what you're doing uh, in the past. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the specifics of, you know, the movements that we were doing at that period of time. Um, But I think that it was, you know, a huge asset, obviously, to have you in person, seeing you multiple times a week and getting that feedback, but also having, like, such a robust program that was, you know, included the mobility And also like the real strength and combining like the strength, but also moving the weights quickly. And so it was this like very robust approach where I saw that I was getting stronger, but then I saw like, oh, wow, I'm actually moving this weight so much faster than I was three weeks ago. And that gives you a lot of confidence as you're leading into a big event. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, 
strength does precede power. And we, you're recalling some movements. I was trying to create a, a model for you, a priority model, if you will. And so it's interesting because you said one of the first things you noticed was your swim and maybe you had a little bit more range there. And uh, looking at your anthropometry in the very beginning, we found that, oh, you know, compared to your height, your arm length is not as geared up for that as other people have in swimming, right? So that became part of the priority is, well, we got to get as much length as we can here, right? right? And at the same time, looking at your bike and the run as well, what we can do there to make sure we're getting better force production. And so, for example, the uh, biking part of things, I would look at what we did with the Bulgarian and seeing that how initially I remember that we didn't really feel our hip bailing out, but our hip would be bailing out from a position. But after we had gone through the motor control and the mobility work and we started to build on that, it wasn't long before you're doing that with 80 pounds Yeah, <laughs> where initially 40 pounds felt difficult and you didn't feel your hip as much. Now right. 80 pounds felt smooth, right? right? And so it's those kind of things that I think it's important to build on. And then the 12 hop test kind of stands out to me for the run. Where, That's right. <laughs> right. That was awesome to see. Uh, essentially what we do there is we're looking at 12 hops on a single leg and we're matching the sides or we're looking at the deficits. And then by the time we got ready for Asia and we were uh, preparing for that sharpening phase, we were matched up on both sides where originally we were not. So that was kind of exciting to see mm -hmm. that tie in for the swim, the bike and the run. Yeah, I think it just goes to show that if you really commit to a program like yours, the, you know, the gains are not instant, but like they're quite fast in the grand scheme of a season. I really don't think that I would have made it through my whole season without <laughs> the work that we were doing. So I'm excited to see what's possible with, you know, a year of consistent training together. Yeah. And we, we became, I feel like pretty fast friends because we spent, as you mentioned before, six weeks where we were together every day. And, you know, I felt like I really started to get to know you, but I'm going to uh, skip ahead a little bit because we had a great training camp in Kona. Everything was just solid. And then there was an insult that happened mm -hmm. uh, with our quad. And again, we talked about that a little bit more on Rich Roll. But ultimately, I was kind of in my own mind trying to figure out what magic mat stuff we could do in the last 10 days, right? Mm -hmm. And there was always that hope beyond hope that initially it was like, are we going to be able to race? And then it was maybe we can uh, finish this thing. And then it was like, oh man, man maybe she can still win. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think any champion is still going to think that way, but I want to just, I'll say this is that that experience with you was very tough, mm -hmm. but it was very tough because I am, I am such a fan and I'm such a fan because you're such a good person and you're a sportsman that that's my legacy. I want to work with athletes like yourself. And to see that being pulled away from you a little bit in those last 10 days and to see you come back from that and to finish Kona the way you did, I became a bigger fan. And I, yeah, of course I wanted you to win, but you end up getting six, of course, but it was the way that you got six uh, that I'll never forget. And I thought to myself, okay, no matter what, she's the real deal <laughs> because you can do that. You can do anything. So would you speak a little bit on that, Chelsea? Yeah, you're going to make me cry, Matt. Uh, that was a really tough, a really tough week. That week when we were in Kona, I think for all of us, just, you know, we're, we're all so committed to this team and our goals. And so to feel like it was just unraveling right in front of us um, was really, really hard. But I'm, I, you know, have spoken to this a little bit. I'm really proud of the way that I finished that race and it wasn't what I wanted. I don't feel like it was what I prepared for or what I was ready to do. But I think that one of my core values, one of my most important core values is integrity. And I, I like showed up 
to the best of my ability on that day for myself and for my team. And um, I think integrity oftentimes is it's all about like doing the right thing when nobody is watching. And this was a little different in that there were so many eyes on this event, but I kind of felt like I was just out there with my own demons that day. And I was able to like bury myself in a way I don't know if I ever have before uh, for sixth place. So I think that it will be, it's a really important part of my journey, um, especially like in my mental approach to sport like the win is never guaranteed you have no control over your competition and how they have prepared and how they have showed up but you are in control of your attitude and my attitude was very up and down in that week and on that day but I still managed to to put it all out there I love it yeah you really did and I'll go now into this year in our training and looking at well first of all I do have to mention that John Hodges, Nevada Physical Therapy, um, he was wonderful in, in, in giving me some help there. I don't believe in going beyond my scope. And there was a point where I had to say, John, is, do, you, do you believe with this testing that uh, he was helping with me with, uh, with you? Is there anything mechanically that would have long-term damage or do you really think we can get through this? And he did think we could get through it without long-term damage, but we wanted to really do a full evaluation with John when you got back. And we did that. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, um, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to be, um, a challenging road, but that's what I signed up for. And, and again, like I had that full belief is that person who crossed the line in sixth, all we have to do is get you feeling good and healthy and strong. And you'll do everything that I believe is, part of the legacy that I want um, people like my daughter Mia to see and understand, to, to understand that if you get knocked down, but you decide you're just going to keep getting back up, even when everyone else thinks you're going to stay down, that is what I believe is the, the true reward in all of this, right? And find that within yourself. And so you did that even with your strength training. I mean, I remember the first, um, couple weeks, it was kind of rough in some ways, right? Like it was, I was like, man, Chelsea's not all the way back yet, but I know that she feeds so well off of this and her body responds so well. And then it wasn't too long until you started to really get fired up. And then I had to remind myself, oh man, like the, the, it was only a couple weeks ago where she couldn't do this range or this movement at all. And now she's executing it like she's been doing it all her life. Right. And so I got so excited about what we were doing again. And I know, I feel like we've gotten even closer in this process. Uh, I love the fact that we get to spend so much time together in the off season. I mean, selfishly, like I want it to continue, but um, we're just wrapping it up now. We're finishing our last part of our uh, preseason or off season work rather. And I think um, time to start talking about lifting heavy shit because you are lifting heavy shit now and doing it really well. So I'm excited to talk about what, uh, what you've gotten to. Awesome. Right after I finished Kona, Steve said, Thank God you finished that race because I cannot imagine where your head would have been if you had dropped out and this is going to make the off season so much better. Um, but honestly, Matt, like this has been the best, most fun off season I've had in a very, very long time. Like definitely haven't had, you know, this much consistency or fun since well before Sky was born. So um, it's been, I think... It has just like reaffirmed the importance of our program and work together and how that translates to the other sports. Yeah. I mean, I can't thank you enough for how how much you've given to me even when it comes to my second wind in my career. I, people, I think sometimes, well, I've worked with a lot of Olympic athletes and I've worked with athletes that I certainly am very, I'll always be very proud of what I was able to accomplish in my career. But I think that I'm finishing my career with you. And, and, uh, and honestly, I don't, 
I don't want to look back and regret anything. So I'm taking the last 20 years and I'm saying, okay, how can I fine tune this? How can I make this even better? But the truth of it is that it comes down to the kind of animal you are. And I want to talk a little bit about that dark drive because I know that it's easy for me to sometimes do a little bit of this and pat myself on the shoulder and go, oh my gosh, we made a goal of doing 130 pounds on a single leg and then we just got to 150. And I have to say, that's enough. We don't have to go any heavier. Mm -hmm. right? And so I'm thinking, wow, I wrote up a great program, but it's not. It's the dark drive that you have that like you put that face on and there's some photos of you that we have and we've posted <laughs> and I'm like, there it is. <laughs> right. But will you talk, I'll talk a little bit about that? Because I just, I think that that is maybe something that we need to engage in a little bit more when we decide we're going to go after something like this. Yeah. I mean, I am definitely a perfectionist and I have obsessive compulsive disorder. So these things lend themselves to some like pretty significant mental health hurdles. But the flip side is that it's also my superpower. And I am just totally obsessed with being excellent and being as good as I possibly can be. And I, I was about to say this to you today when we were lifting, Matt. Um, like some of the goals we have come up with in the gym are so arbitrary and they mean, they only mean something to us. But when we, you know, go to 25 inches on my Nordic, we're going to be psyched and no one else would ever know what that means but i i just love pushing myself in that way and i love the feeling of you know laying my head on the pillow and feeling like i'm so tired but i gave everything and um i don't do that every day but it's really really like fulfilling for me when i do yeah and i think when it comes to ironman triathlete especially in the amount of hours that you do train and people might think, okay, base training, you're, you're maybe doing, I don't know, 15 hours a week of training, right? No, you've been doing 20, 24, 29 hours even. I mean, this is a lot even in the base training to mix in strength mm -hmm. or, but again, give credit to Dan. He's made sure that strength training can take a front seat. So it's also how we time it in the week. Yeah. And what we're doing. But I was pretty excited. Um, it was, I think, last workout where you were telling me about how much your power is increasing in or on the bike, especially. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I can use these numbers because it is arbitrary. You're right. But we set these goals for you and then you've exceeded all of them. Mm -hmm. But we do get to see that, look, strength only matters as much as you're able to use it in your skill sets at the end of the day. Right. So I love that we're seeing that in these phases and I know they can even just main gain from here, but to establish that early. And uh, that's what I kind of want to drill into people's heads because they do get so lost, I think, in the programs, especially on the physiology side of things and the amount of volume they have to do. And then I get it. It's like, man, I don't have the time or energy to do the strength training too. And that mm -hmm. strength training remains tertiary. And I think, well, at least one time a year, you should allow that strength training to take more of a front seat or at least be maybe a little bit more equal. Yeah. And I think that that's a big adjustment that, and actually I've always said, I'm going to do this for the last couple of years. I've been like, I'm going to do a big strength block before I get into real training. And it hasn't worked out for a variety of reasons. But this year, you know, my volume was, my volume of swim, bike, run really was down and not like as big of a priority as the weight room. And I think it was like that for a good three or four weeks. And that allowed us to find our groove and make some really focused, rapid improvements. Why I think that um, base strength is so powerful is because it is designed with the goal of improving your swimming, biking, and running, not just like random exercises um, to make you, you know, look aesthetically better or feel stronger or be able to do more bicep curls or whatever. Like it directly translates to swim, bike, run, um, and is an incredible tool to help 
launch your season as you get into bigger hours of triathlon training. Yeah, I feel like when it comes to our relationship, the thing that I've really appreciated is the amount of trust that you have in me. It's okay, I'm on the team and then you do give me that trust. And I've been saying for a while that, look, last year we we met about halfway through the year and there were some things that I felt like we're not going to be able um, to get really after this until the base training. And once we get there, especially when it comes to postpartum, we can really start to make some real differences, but we're not going to do that until the base training or until the off season, because it is too much risk sometimes versus reward, just things that you can't recover as well from in season. And so, for example, the Copenhagen is something that we knew in your pre-testing, like, well, we get zero of those, right, from the true test of the Copenhagen, and we really need to look at that. But um, that is a marker that we have been working and chasing after, and we're almost there. And I do believe next week before you leave, we're going to be uh, testing at the full height, which for you is three feet off the ground. Yeah, awesome. Amazing, right? And uh, But I want to just bring that out a little bit because, again, being vulnerable as an athlete and, and really accepting challenges and not just things that you're already good at, right? I mean, you're really strong with things like pull-ups. I mean, it's ridiculous what you can do, but that hasn't been the emphasis. The emphasis has been more about attacking these areas that um, probably, especially after pregnancy, have not really gotten the the proper strength progressions. And so, you know, there's fear around that too, Mm -hmm. and especially around your groin. And, you know, I'd like to at least touch on that a little bit is how did you feel about the postpartum strength work? And how did you overcome some of those fears in order to expose yourself and build yourself up to uh, Copenhagen, something that you have never been able to do before? Yeah. So to give a little context, I got on my bike 10 days after I had my baby and I raced when she raced the 70.3 when she was four months old. So that was a pretty quick return to sport. I probably wouldn't. I think, you know what I say? I say everyone should just do what they want and what feels good to them. For me, I wouldn't do it that way again because it didn't really feel that good to me. And I think that it caused, it resulted in some like longer term challenges, um, like urinary incontinence and hip pain. And I had a stress fracture at one point. Um, so, so it's been a long road. I think you don't, you know, pop the baby out and then rest for a few weeks and, uh, return to activity. I had amazing guidance from a woman named Sarah Tanza. She's a pelvic PT based out of Santa Cruz. And um, I still touch base with her every now and then to make sure that I'm on track. But I did have some kinks in the in the armor. Um, so like my ability to do Copenhagen was poor. It was really uncomfortable for me. Um, I felt like afraid that I was going to rip my adductor out or something. That we started with a super gradual progression and it has been challenging, but I feel a lot more confident and stable and strong in that position now, which I think is huge for pelvic health. Awesome. And I just want to finish the strength conversation with mechanical loading, right? So in short, when we look at the cyclic actions and the repetitive actions of swim, bike, and run, what I say we're not going to chase our tails when we really get the mechanical loading uh, as force production goes. It's probably one of those areas that we can assure ourselves of of a little bit more of that robustness. And there's no guarantees in in injuries and things like that, but we certainly can look at that as being a lot more robust to prevent injuries from coming and not feeling like we're chasing our tails once we're in season. So, I like uh, to test you every few weeks and we do some tests. And what's really exciting is uh, you did just a, again, a body weight uh, test, but it was essentially a single leg. Um, It was going on top of a box with a single leg where initially this box is 20 inches off the ground. And initially, if you try to get your 
leg back to touch the ground, but act like it's only, let's say, thin ice that you're touching and you're not actually uh, falling back from that position. We weren't able to do that six months ago, but now we're doing 21 reps on each leg equally. And the funny part is that particular movement, we did not train that movement. We did not progress that movement in that way. We actually just got you really, really strong in your mechanical loading and uh, things like our um, our safety bar squats and our uh, our Bulgarians, things like that, I, I know help to give you that mechanical strength. Um, so that was like an aha moment for me there too, where we say, okay, see how she's able to now really connect the dots with her hip and really use that strength she's developed with that loading process. And so now we're passing this test with flying colors. So just we can finish maybe with that, your feelings on, I know how well you uh, your body responds to heavy loading, mm-hmm. and I don't think it should be done all the time. But um, boy, when it's done properly and it's done with the right attitude, which you have, then the results are pretty uh, dramatic. Yeah, and I think that there's so much value in feeling like an athlete and moving your body like an athlete. We're going in this forward plane all day long with swimming and biking and running, and those aren't the most like athletic or integrated movements. And I think that having a robust strength program where you are engaging your bodies in a different way and creating strength in different ways um, really makes you a much more efficient and robust triathlete. Yes, it does. And, uh, you know, we continue to make progress. I think we got some of our best uh, kettlebell snatches ever, and we've been working on that for really the entire uh, training block, but we finally got it. It's a work in progress. It's not perfect yet. We've like perfect. (laughs) Not perfect, but uh, much smoother, much more weightless at the top. And, you know, again, I love the fact that you embrace that process because you get so frustrated when you can't nail something right away. And I thought to myself, okay, this is going to be a challenge, but challenge accepted. And we're finally getting that down because I do believe, again, for example, for your postpartum work and uh, for your pelvic floor, kettlebell swings and especially snatches are such a great compound movement that we can get in in season without it taking a lot of time and getting a lot of bang for our buck. So because you have engaged in this process when we're in season, we can get to those 20, 30 minute uh, sessions and really get a lot out of it because you can do these complex movements without loading dysfunction. So fantastic. Okay. So I'm just going to uh, finish the podcast, let you get out of here with just, we have, of course, what Chelsea Sodaro would tell the young Chelsea Sodaro out there, right? Because you do, you have all of these people who really look up to you, but especially let's gear it a little bit more towards our our female athletes, I think is, is fair to say that that is a lot of people who are following you and who do look up to you. And what would you say to them? What mistakes do you think you've failed forward with so you get to where you're at now today? I would say... A couple things. It's hard to nail it down to one. Um, but I think talent. Two or three. Yeah, I think the talent doesn't go away. And a coach used to say that to me when I was injured in college, and it really rings true. I've had, you know, so many phases to my career. And um, my running coach, Magda Abule, used to always say to me, if you can just figure out a way to stay in the game long enough, like things will come together for you. And in endurance sports like long distance running and triathlon, that longevity and health and consistent training for long periods of time, that's what makes the magic on the race course. So I would just say, like, stick with it if if you love it and go all in on yourself. Yeah, beautiful. Well said. Um, Good for a Girl was a book you told me I should read. I read it. And just on that subject, I think... Everyone should read it as a dad this is why you were telling me you should read it as a dad and also as somebody who coaches females. But that female trajectory that you've talked about so often, I feel like uh, that book really opened my eyes to things that as a male and even as a male coach coaching females for years and years. And I thought, wow, I need to do better. And that's um, something I really appreciate about you anyways, is if you, uh, 
refer something to me or if it's a person or a book or it's it's something well worth doing. And so I, I suggest that book to people for sure. Um, I think it tells a lot about the story and what you represent as well. But uh, we need to do better when it comes to supporting our female athletes. That's what you're all about. And so it's a true honor and privilege. And that's why I want to just put everything into this legacy. No matter what happens from here, I know that this is what I'll be always proud of, mostly for me selfishly, because I know my daughter will be able to look at these examples and say, wow, I can do that. This is somebody who has been at the very top of the world. And uh, again, selfishly, guys, Chelsea comes to my house and trains and sees my daughter constantly. And I know that that is what is going to be the biggest payoff for me in the long term that she has somebody like you that just she's gotten to know you and just has done what most people think is impossible. And you do it every day with a smile on your face like you are now and with a frown sometimes. And that's <laughs> and, and that's the thing is, but you do it every day and you commit yourself to it. And uh, I'm just so honored to be a part of the process. So thanks for having me on the team too, Chelsea. Thanks, Matt. No, it's it's a pleasure. And I think we should uh, keep on lifting heavy shit and go win some races this year. Yes, we will. Looking forward to 2024. Okay, guys, thanks for listening today. If you do want to try out our base strength program, we are going to put out a coal, a code, and it is just going to be Chelsea 30. So anything you want to get in our programs, you'll get it 30% off. All you need to do is use the code Chelsea 30. And that's for any time you listen to the podcast. It could be a year from now. The code will still work for you. So Chelsea 30. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, thanks for listening. And as a reminder, we offer a totally free movement improvement assessment on our Pandola Project website. Here, you can get your own personalized protocol that will help your running today. So give that a try. Finally, if you learned anything new today, don't forget to share it with your compadres and leave us a quick review. That really helps us a lot. All the links you need are in the show notes below. Till next time, have a great run. Well, that was that was awesome. Yeah.